everybody. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Uh, we got a good one for you today. Um, Pastor Daniels, uh, this this past Sunday, you had um, in your sermon, you talked about uh, Martha, Mary and Lazarus. And I was like, you know what? You don't really hear that much about the friendship and you focused a little bit on that in your message, the friendship that those three had with Jesus. And I was like, you know what? You hear about the disciples all the time, you know, and but you don't really hear too much about the friendship that you would have. These three people have with Jesus. Right. right. And how that kind of correlates with your personal faith with Jesus, the Christ Mm -hmm. and how you can interact with with them. Right. You know, so let's talk about that. So, Dr. Daniels. Did Martha, Mary and Lazarus really give a blueprint on how to be able to have a personal relationship with Jesus? Oh, a- absolutely. Uh, and, and, it, and it really extended, as you pointed out, you know, beyond those three. You know, um, we don't we don't talk about his relationship with his cousin either. You know, he had a cousin, John, um, that we don't talk about. We talk about John in um, the spiritual sense, but not in the the real true relation that he had with our our Lord. Um, But yeah, they did. See, they view Jesus differently than we do. You know, even though they recognize, and Martha said, I recognize that anything you ask of God, he'll give you. Right. So she was saying in a sense, I accept that you are the son of God. I accept that you are the Christ. But you're also my best friend. You know, we, we, you know we, we hang out together. And so for them, their relationship was really personal. You know, um, their, their conversations, their talk. Um, he came to the house oftentimes and just hung out. Um, I, I don't think we, we look at ourselves as just hanging out with Jesus. You know, right. we, I think we just kind of like, well, uh, Jesus, uh, and true, he is, I um, mean, no doubt, he is God. But but even so, even if you look at him as a heavenly father, let's say, we don't even view God the way we view our own fathers That's as far right. as that personal kind of relationship. Right. You know, right. I got to admit, I, I, used to, I have been angry with my mother. I have been angry with my father. Right. It might not have been justified. Right. But, you know, and I've been angry with my friends. Uh, but but um, we are afraid and maybe rightly so to get angry or to express our anger or express our disappointment when really, you know, we know we all have them. Right. And that's, that's the one thing I really kind of grasp with um, those three and the way they talked to Jesus mm-hmm. is like, you know, we're not one of those people out there that that's coming by here, you know, to touch the hem of your garment mm-hmm. or just to see you. Right, we are right. here every, you know, every day or every other day, whenever you stop by to, to hang out, mm-hmm. you know, we ain't really asking much of you. You, you, you're off the clock when you're around us, so to speak, quote mm-hmm. unquote. But look, we need, you. we, we need you. <laughs> <laughs> I could just imagine that was in the Bible conversation. What the person wrote said, okay, we got to clean this up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about what the actual, uh, it, it's just amazing could you kind of get it mm-hmm. from what you read that these um, the conversations they had wasn't just regular conversations? No. So why do we as people like in prayer? Now I don't know about you because um, I, I can speak for myself. Mm-hmm. 
why do people like me in prayer don't talk that way to Jesus? Good, great point. And, you know, I blame, I, you know, and I, I blame the clergy for that because especially uh, uh, black clergy. And the reason why I say that is this, is that we like to impress people with our oratory skills, even when we are praying, you, you know, so we are full of these and thou's, right, you, you know, right. Lord, thou art this. And, 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 you know, and as, as if that's how we speak now, what we confuse is old English with um, respect. You know, they use those terms in, in the Bible because that was the translation they translated into old English. Right. And so they use thee and thou and all those kind of things. But that's not how the Hebrews talked, you know, in, in, right. in Aramaic. And the same thing with us now. That's not how we talk. If I, if I were to go to my, you know, my father, you know, who's passed now, but if he was alive, you know, dear father, would thou is, uh, <laughs> let me drive thou car? You know, right. That's not how I would phrase that thing. Right, right. But because we want to sound spiritual and we want to sound holy, you know, that's how we kind of pray. We want to use these long words. And the irony of it is, is that Christ even said himself that we should not do that. You know, he said that like the Pharisees, you think by your long prayers, you think by your, you know, uh, 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 um, multiplicity of words that that's going to get your heavenly father's attention. And he said, that's not so. Right. And he told us to pray simply, you know, uh, because the model prayer is a short, simple prayer. But I, I think we have corrupted our own selves by trying to be too sophisticated when we pray. Because you're right. right. All you got to do is just ask. Yeah. You know, so, I'm, so next question for you. What type of personal relationship, if you was able to sit, let's say, for a month with Jesus, one-on-one, what kind of relationship would you have with him? Like what kind of conversations would you have? What would be ideal? I would say an ideal conversation would be, um, listen, you know what? Um, the Colts right now, um, <laughs> they just got a new quarterback. What you think? Right. What, what, what you think? I mean, listen, you know more than I know. Right. So look, help a brother out. You know, is it going to work? Right. You know, I mean, because... If if you if you really look at the conversations that he had with his with his inner circle, mm-hmm. you know we know that they weren't always these deep philosophical conversations. Right. If you look at the conversation he had, like for example, him and Mary Magdalene were close, right? Right. And Mary Magdalene was uh, a prostitute. Now, you know, let's let's be real. You know, if you are a prostitute, chances are you're not having great conversations about things that are not active in that day. You know, I right. doubt if Mary, I doubt if she was coming to him and their friendship was based on um, who God is. I'm not saying they didn't talk about that, but, right. but that, that's not an everyday conversation. Right. If you're friends with a person, that's because that person makes you feel some type of joy, you know, happiness, contentment, those kind of things. So it would seem to me that some of the conversations probably made him laugh. You know, it probably gave him a sense of, you know, we're just hanging out. We're just enjoying ourselves. And the reason why I say that is because 
Even the Bible teaches us that Jesus himself grew weary of the crowds, grew weary of all of that stuff at times. And so the Bible says he would go off on his own, you know, that he would separate himself just to get, you know, a, a moment of rest from all that stuff and just be with his heavenly father. Right. So that would suggest to me that he liked being around people that he could just um, enjoy them as being his creation. You know, right. it's kind of like being around your children. It, right. It's not always that disciplinary conversation. It's not right. always that, you know, hey, sit down and do that. Da, da. There are playful times, you know, right. and I think that that's what he would prefer is that we have those playful times, those playful conversations. Yeah. So you would basically start talking about the Colts. I would be talking about the Colts. I might be talking about, you know, I mean, it would be it would be normal conversation. Yeah. So it's, I am going to, you know, talk about my guarantee in heaven as well, but I'm also going to have some questions for him. I'm going right. to know some why, you know, hey, I'm going to be like Martha. Right. Right. It'll be, Lord, why did you allow me to do something this stupid? Right. You, you knew I was a fool. Why you didn't stop me? You know, or, or why did you, I'm going to want to know what the heck you was thinking about when you let Trump become president. That's going to be one of them. <laughs> that's going to be, I probably won't even use the word heck either. But that's going to be one of them conversations. Like, what in the world? What are you thinking about? You know, and the crazy thing is, I think part of those answers would be, well, such and such was going on over here. So I needed you to do that to cause this to happen, to cause that to happen, to mm-hmm. bail them out of they out of the issue. Right. You know, because everything is all so much intertwined. You, you know, it's going to be an answer that's going to blow my mind. Right. <laughs> but it's also going to be so simple. I'm going to say, you know, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> you know? Right. But I, I think we, you know, we kind of, you know, I'm going to give you a quick example of of what Jesus' first cousin, John, right? Uh, His cousin, John, um, was in jail. Okay. And so when Jesus comes to that area where he's, where John is locked up at, John sends a message by some of his disciples to Jesus. And the message is, um, um, are you the one that we should be, are you the one or should we look for another? Right. You know, are, are you the Messiah? Should we, oh, should we look for another? And let's think about what John was really saying. John was, John was in jail. John <laughs> knew his, he was getting me to get his head cut off. Right. John was probably saying, hey, I'm, I'm kinfolk. Right. <laughs> I'm kinfolk. We, we got blood together. What you doing? Right. Why ain't you coming to get me out of this situation? Because for them, the Messiah was someone that was going to not just be uh, a, 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 a religious leader, but for them, the Messiah was going to be someone that was going to deliver them from oppression. Right. So their thinking was the Messiah is going to be like a David, the king who delivered them from oppression, who be, allowed them to become a great nation. So John was probably saying, hey, 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 hey. Right. You, 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 need, to sh- you need to come over here and, 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 and show yourself and, and do what you're supposed to do. Because if you, I'm a, my head going to be gone in a minute if you don't right. tighten up. Right. So. You know, it, it probably was not, you know, uh, Lord, that was pray for me, please. That no, nah, that, no. that that wasn't the conversation. No. That no. No, it's 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 just like somebody asked me, it was about a year ago now. I said, Where where would you like to go if you had a time machine and you could just blend in with the people? They had two answers. I said, either it'd be ancient Egypt, mm-hmm. other one would be 
during the times of Jesus. And I thought about it. I said, well, that was kind of hectic because every, you know, being friends with Jesus wasn't an easy thing. No. You know, following Jesus wasn't, wasn't an easy thing. No. Because there's probably countless people that got persecuted that ain't in the Bible. Oh, no, no doubt. And, and ostracized. So even if you weren't persecuted by the, by, by the Pharisees or the Sadducees, you were certainly ostracized. And we know of that because there was a young man in the Bible who uh, the Pharisees wanted him to um, not accept that Jesus was who he said he was. Right. And when the young man's response to them was this, he said, listen, I don't care what y'all say about him. I can tell you this, the man restored my sight. They got so angry at the young man that they put him out of the church. So if you put me out of the church, you know, that, that's a big deal in Hebrew culture to say, mm-hmm. I can't come even to the temple. Right. Uh, so, yeah, we know that there were people that were ostracized because that's, that's just one example. But we know there had to be others that were ostracized, that were cast out, that were, you know, looked upon negatively because of their relationships with him. And so it, it's not like Jesus was um, as beloved you know, by all as he, as he is now, you right. know, because that's not the way that the situation was. There was political upheaval. I, you know, when we look at the context of his time, we forget the political upheavals that they were going through, mm-hmm. you know? And then, so you had a sense of, well, there were oftentimes people were rising up in attempts to what we would call overthrow the government. Right. Right. You know, so if you were on the side of someone whom Rome was saying you're trying to overthrow the government, you were risking uh, certain death all the time. Right. So, yeah, you, you're right. It was it was not an easy time to be a friend of Christ. No, it was not. And I think they think a lot of times that like what you just said, overthrowing the government, that's a lot of times gets overlooked in the the story of Jesus. It's like everything that's going on. There's a lot going on in the background. Mm-hmm. And that that the, him being crucified really was the apex of a lot of stuff going on. Yes, and and then the resurrection, and it all it like people focus on the resurrection, but look what happens mm-hmm. at the resurrection. Mm-hmm. I forget the guy's name. He was he was the um Lord. He was just he was a soldier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was his name? Help me out, Pastor. Yeah. Um. That 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 was following the disciples. Mm-hmm. Trying to track them down, and they end up converting. What's um, the guy's name? I'm looking right at the. I've watched it in the movie. I know. Don't don't go by the movie. Let me just say. That. <laughs> don't don't go by the movie. Okay. Um. Th- but there was a lot of upheaval. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but and you and you and you and you're right. The 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 the. The crucifixion of Christ was, if you were looking at it from a um, a standpoint of how the government thought, how the Romans thought, in their mind, it was over with. You know, in their mind, this guy is nobody. It's over with. Mm -hmm. It was the Hebrews, the Pharisees and Sadducees that caused the ruckus. Because for them, if Jesus' body could not be found, that meant that he was the Messiah and that negated everything they had said. So, but, but it was a turning point because after that, the apostles gained credibility. They're the ones that started really to gain credibility. Right. You know, 
And, and Paul was one of the ones, I, I think Paul is who you're probably talking, Paul was not a soldier, but Paul is the one that was converted. I think that's probably who you're referring to uh, because he was originally considered, it was called Saul and he was persecuting and his okay, yeah. right. Right, right. Saul was persecuting him. And then when Saul, when Jesus revealed himself to Saul, he was, uh, you know, converted and of course it became Paul. But Paul, the Bible says this about Paul, that he, he turned the world upside down, right? Uh, because they, the apostles, they're the ones that really, really began to cause upheaval because of how they spread the word. You know, um, not that Jesus was not a, 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 a polarizing figure. He was, but Jesus stayed within a certain geographic area. Whereas Paul and the other apostles, you know, they went out. They went right. out into Rome. They went out into, you know, to, to, you know, to Caesarea. They went out into all those areas that traditionally had not received that kind of teaching. And, and that just changed the whole dynamic of things. Uh, and, and, and from that point on, there was more political unrest, you know. Uh, so, but, but, but again, you know, relationship-wise, even Paul's relationship with Jesus, even though he, he, as he said, he was one that saw him out of time, was not the way our relationship is with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Peter's relationship with Jesus wasn't that way. James' relationship wasn't that way. You know, most of us believe that James was the brother of Jesus. You know, right. and so how would his relationship be with his brother? Right. You know, it wasn't, it, it, you know, he was a younger brother, but it's not, and so he probably looked up to him that way as well. But even with his mother, you know, um, I, people don't realize that Jesus had brothers and sisters. Right. I mean, I, I mean, many scholars do, but I mean, a lot of people, you know, just go to church on a daily basis, presume Jesus was the only child, but he wasn't. Right. He had brothers and sisters. He Played with children, you know. His, you know, he was, he, right. he was a. His relationships were were one of love, intimacy, which we don't seem to feel comfortable yeah. with for some reason. Yeah, and then also too, that you we don't really hear too much about his teenage years either. No, we 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 from twelve years old. Well, not in not in the in in, in the gospels that we look at, right? right. In in the gospels that have been um, um, established in the King James version of the Bible, um, we don't. Now there are reference books that that, but that do talk about those things. However, um, they had not, you know, the, the the process where we authenticate things, the canonization process. We don't necessarily teach them because right. we don't consider that to be um, Holy Ghost inspired. Let me put it that way. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, but so for, what, what we see is 12 at age 12, you know, in, in the gospels, we kind of like, you know, we jump from 12 years old <laughs> to 30 years old. Right. Like know, a soap opera. Right. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> like that. You know, it kind of reminds me of how I thought about Jesus when I was a little kid. When I was a little kid, I thought he was born on December 25th. And by the time Easter came, he had grown up and died. Right. So I thought, like, he had lived like four months, right? Right. Because that was my concept when I was a little kid, because we celebrated Christmas. And then about four months later, we celebrated the death of Jesus. So my thought was, man, he was four months old. But he became an adult because he was God. He could do that, you know. And we forget about all that other stuff. You know, he, he was his father's son, right? 
that meant he was a carpenter because you take upon the trade of your father, you know? Right. And no doubt, Joseph probably was like, hey, Jesus, yeah, uh, go ahead and give me that hammer. Right. Didn't I tell you to go get me that hammer? Right. You know, I mean, it was a, a regular relationship, you know? So I wonder, so do you, what, at what age was Jesus able to start doing miracles? That's debatable, okay? For example, there are stories in various books. I won't call them books of the Bible, but, you know, I guess we would call, yeah, uh, books, for lack of a better term, that, that some say that um, Jesus, this first resurrection was a friend of his who um, fell off a home and died when he was, you know, like maybe seven, eight years old, and Jesus brought him back to life. There's a story that 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 uh, he um, someone took and shot a bird and killed the bird and Jesus picked the bird up and you know cradled him in his hands and the bird came back to life. Uh, so it kind of depends on right. you know whether or not you believe in the books that were not canonized or if you believe in the books that were canonized. Right. You know, so it's difficult to say if you if you look at the King James version of the Bible, then it suggests to us that his first miracle was when he turned water into wine, which is probably some people's favorite miracle. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, but uh, so, you know, it, it kind of depends on which, you know, if you're looking at the canonized books or if you're looking at, you know, right. the non-canonized books as your reference point. And you know what's funny in this conversation, that goes to show you how down to earth Jesus was. You know, like, oh, okay, yeah, we, we need some wine. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and hook this up real quick. Well, right. You know, it's it's it showed you how down earth he was, and, and, it, and it it speaks to his relationships too. Think about how it transpired. You know, it apparently was a you know some relative. It would appear they were either relatives or extremely close friends that were getting married, right? And so, because Mary is there, his mother, and he's an invited guest, but he decides to bring his posse. Right. I mean, he brings he brings his apostles. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, so I'm just saying, you know, it's like, you know, just like with one of us, if you go somewhere, you be, hey, guys, you know what? I'm going over here. Such and such place. Y'all want to, you know, y'all, y'all want to ride. Right. So he brings his posse with him. Right. And I hope people don't think I'm being sacrilegious. I'm just, you know, talking in you know, 2020 right. conversation talk. He bring his posse and weddings lasted about seven days or so. It wasn't like we do weddings. So anyway, the wine run out. And Mary, his mother, says to Jesus, hey, they have no wine. Now, because her mindset, she's used to telling him what to do. Mm-hmm. So, and so, because he says to her, well, what's that got to do with me? You know? <laughs> right. As if to kind of like to chastise her a little bit. Why are you telling me? That ain't my job. My job ain't to do a miracle around here. You know? But so, obviously, in her mind, you're my son. And do what I tell you to do kind of deal. So it, it still was a mother-son relationship. Right. But because he was an adult, really in that culture, as an adult male, she had she had, she she no longer held that 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 you know right. that role where she could really dictate to him. But anyway, she just said to him, hey, we have no wine. And so when he seems to not want to do it, she keeps pressing the issue. Right now, we don't get the whole conversation, but it appears was enough of a of a of a go back and forth that he had to just yield and say, "Well, okay, you know, I'll get I'll take care of the situation." So she tells someone else, she say, "Listen, whatever he tell you to do, do it." Right. So she's kind of was a bossy kind of person, right? Because 
It wasn't her wedding, but yeah, right. she's bossing folk around. <laughs> right. Whatever he say, dude, do it. They fill water pots up with water, and he goes, you know, boom, there right. you go. There's the wine. You know, like you say, uh, you got to be kind of down to earth, number one, to be at the wedding. Right. Right. Because we so holier than thou. I say we, I mean, you know, many people that we don't attend celebratory functions. Yep. Because we are kind of, we so holy, we can't dance. And you believe you mean, if you got a wedding the last seven days, there's some dancing going on. Oh, yeah. So they're dancing, they're partying, they're having a celebration. But oftentimes we get so holy, we can't attend those kind of functions. If they're serving wine, we can't attend those kind of functions. I, I had a, a serious debate with a, a young man, it's been a while back, about whether or not the wine was fermented or not. He swears up and down it was not fermented wine, it was grape juice. I said, you know, lost your mind. <laughs> you just don't understand how the translation of the Bible came about. The Bible was translated by scholars, you know, the one that we read, right? You know, in, in, in around 1600, you know, early 1600s, right? Right. Those scholars understood the difference between unfermented wine and fermented wine. Right. So if they used the term wine, they weren't referring to grapefruit juice. They were referring to that which would cause you to get a buzz. Right. Right. I mean, that's just the reality of it. But like you say, you know, we are so hung up today. If Jesus came, I believe 60% of, of, of Christians would say he's the devil. Because the way he would be acting. Right. Number one, think about this. Mary Magdalene was his, one of his best friends. Mm -hmm. Right. That means one of his best friends was a prostitute. Right. Now, how many Christians you know <clears throat> would be comfortable with a prostitute being the best friend of their Lord? Mm. See, that's not how our mind works. Right. We, we don't think that way, right? Now, another thing that's crazy is that he most likely won't show up where you think he would be at. And, the, and, look, the, right, and look the way we think he ought to look because right. he didn't then either, right? The other thing is this Bible says that Jesus says that John came to you neither eating nor drinking, right? He said, but you call me a wine bibber, right? Translated wino, mm -hmm. okay? Now, how many of us would, if, if there was somebody who we looked at as being a wino, would we say, that's got to be the son of God? <laughs> right. You know, I mean, you know, I don't know what their what the reasoning was why they why he made the statement, but it must it appears that the statement was made because of his association and because of how he carried himself. You know, because like you say, he he mingled with the people. Right. You know, he yeah. did he didn't mingle with the muckety mucks. Right. He mingled with the average everyday people. Right. You I mean, you ain't like like if if I was to stop off at, you know, one corner stores in the hood. Guys dragging out of a paper bag and, it's, you know, lady that clearly looks like a prostitute, you know, beside him. And in between them two was a guy standing there talking. And he said, hey, you know, I'm the savior. I would look at all three of them. I said, these people didn't lost their ever loving mind. I'm going to go and get my soda and walk out. And, and your thought would be they need to be in Houston State. <laughs> I mean, that's, right. that would be your thought, right? Right. I, I don't know if you've seen this. It's a it's a, a, a sitcom that comes on TV called Black Jesus. Uh, I've, I've I've heard of. I haven't seen it. And and this that's what it kind of reminds me of. You know, right. is that you know, now, now, now I'm not advocating that Black <laughs> Jesus is an accurate representation. Okay, right. 
But I'm just saying the, the takeoff of that is that in black Jesus, he is a Jesus of the people. You know, he's hanging out with the regular folk. You know, right. he's hanging out with the homeless. You know, he's walking around in sandals, you know, and everything. Um, and and, and it, this is the way he talked. He don't say our father who art in heaven. He say, you know, pops up there. You know? <laughs> so when he's talking, when he's praying, he just say, well, you, you know, I think pop's going to help me take care of this. So, so it's going to be all right. And he'll yeah. look up, ain't that right, pop? You know, yeah. still, I think we have, we have forgotten um, the essence of why they rejected Jesus. He was not rejected because he was pious. He was rejected because that's not how he was. Mm-hmm. You know, right. um, you look at the Roman Catholic Church, for example, and how pious those, those you know, all the, the garb, the robes, and all that kind of stuff that they mm-hmm. wear. Um, yeah. Jesus didn't wear that. You know, Jesus was not dressed like that. Even if you look at us, you know, I mean, I wear a suit to church, granted, you know, I, so on and so on. There's no indication that Jesus got dressed up right. to go to the temple or to talk to people. Right. You know, so again, that's why I say I think most people would reject him because he wouldn't come looking like we expect him to look. He wouldn't come acting like we expect him to act. He would be hanging with the people that we look down upon. Yeah. And they questioned Jesus about that, too. And Jesus' response was, a well man need not a physician, but those that are sick. He said, that's who I came yeah. to save. So that's where he would be at. You know, he'd be in Park Place. Yeah. And you know, you know was uh, when you said that, it reminded me of um, Bishop T.D. Jakes. This was a couple of years ago. Priest with a pair of jeans on. Mm-hmm. And the people was upset at him. Like for preaching with a pair of jeans on. Mm-hmm. He had a pair of jeans. It was, he had on dress shoes, button-up shirt, and a sports coat, but he had on a pair of jeans. And then people had an issue with that. I'm like, what is the problem? Like, and what's crazy, you can go Sunday morning, flip through the TV channels on cable, mm-hmm. and you find plenty of pastors, you know, the quote-unquote new age pastors, mm-hmm. that don't even have a suit on, don't even have a, a blaze on. They right. just got on a, a, a polo shirt, jeans. Some of them even have on shorts. It depends on where they're at. You know, if they're out in California, it's like, are you paying attention to the message or the messenger? I, 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 you know, of course, we are pension to the messenger, but, <laughs> but it's really, it's just like what you said. We somehow, and I, again, I blame the clergy for this, is that we somehow have not given people Jesus the way Jesus wants to be presented. You know, and, and I don't, and that doesn't mean that we did it because we were trying to misrepresent him. It's just because of human nature, I right. think, uh, because we want him. We want people to get the right understanding and the right representation, but it's hard to get ego out the way too. Mm. You know, it's hard to to for people. I mean, all the pastors want to look good in the pulpit. You know, it's just it's just life. You know, you even the guys who are dressed down still trying to look good, right? Yeah, but they're yeah. just trying to look good in a different way, right? Right. You they ain't got no shabby clothes, right? Yeah, they they they, they didn't shop at Walmart. <laughs> You know, right. They still look. Matter of fact, some of them guys outfits cost more than my suits cost, yeah. you know, 
Um, but because some of the attendees, I'm looking at the shoes they're wearing. And some of those guys wearing shoes that cost more than my whole suit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but I'm just saying, we if we were to put Jesus in the proper light, I just think we would get more people saved. You know, and, and even, you know, I got to admit sometimes even myself, when I'm having a one-on-one conversation with people, it's easier for me to put Jesus in the proper light than when I'm in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, you know, I don't know why that is. I wish I, you know, because I tell myself every time I'm preparing a message, to put him in the proper light. But then you get in the pulpit and, and for some reason, um, it, it doesn't always end up that way. You know, is it, is it for you showing the respect to Jesus? I, well, I, I can't, I don't, I, I wish I had the answer because that's not my purpose. You know, my purpose is to keep it so you will see Jesus in the real light that he was in. I mean, I want to show his majesty, you know, and I want to show his awesomeness, but I also want to show his compassion. I want to show his empathy. And sometimes we get so caught up in, I think we get so caught up in things that are not real based on scripture, but real based on how we think it should be presented. You know, Mm -hmm. we spend, oftentimes we spend more time with what you cannot do and what you should not do and we don't spend as much time on what Jesus has already done for us. You know, if you think about Christianity in general, especially the way it developed, look at how we're always trying to dictate what people's lives can and cannot be. Mm-hmm. Look at how the moral majority is anti-gays. You know, um, look at how right. you know, they are um, uh, anti-abortion. I'm not trying to say any of that is right or wrong. I'm just, you know. Right. Look at how they are anti Playboy channel. Look at, you know, you know, all, you know, anti, you know, bars and all, all the things that they are anti and, and all the things they talk about, you know, you go, you know, you go, if you do this, you go to hell. If you do this, you go in hell, you're going to hell without thinking about the lives of the people that we believe are in heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, when we look at the, the characters in the Bible, well, what did they, what, what were they really like? You know, what was Peter really like? Well, Peter got mad and pulled out a knife and cut a man's ear off, and Jesus was standing right next to him. <laughs> right. Right. Is, is, is that the image of, of, of you know, a, ho- a holier-than-thou person? Ooh, no. J- Jesus just happened to take the ear up and put it back on the guy and healed him. Yeah. You know, Jesus cursing folk out. Not Jesus, pardon me. Uh, Peter cussing folk out. Right. Right. I mean, even when Jesus turned all the tables over in the temple, I don't think he did it politely. No. You know, I don't think he went and said, excuse me. Right. You all have, thou, thou <laughs> is, has made my father's house a den of thieves. So therefore, uh, can you back up so I can turn this table over? Yeah, I, I don't think that's what he did. I think he showed anger. I think he showed frustration. I think he showed all those emotions. We act like he never did that kind of stuff. Right. So, which, which really puts in perspective his sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Because to go through all of that, at any moment, he could have stopped it whenever he wanted it to. Absolutely. He could have been like, okay, I, I proved the point. All right, now let me go. Like, and the snapped his fingers and been out in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. But no, he went through the whole process. So we, 
can make a mistake, <laughs> not go to hell for it. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, when you really break it down, like how many people you know would go through what he went through? I don't know. Any. Just to, you know, to save everybody. I don't know any. Well, see, I think what you said is what we ought to be preaching. I mean, really, because see, you you put it in 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 two sentences where we spend 30 minutes, you know, and and and, and all the you know the the fanfare right. putting out there. You said he sacrificed, so when we make a mistake, we won't go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and really, and that's it. And see, and that's the relationship that we ought to be trying to have with him. That that kind of acknowledgement is just that simple. Um, but people don't oftentimes like simplicity. Right. You know, they like the fanfare. There's one group that like feeling holier than thou. So you got to, you know, appease that group. We don't have to appease them, but I'm saying that's what we do. Right. You know, so it's, wow. I mean, it is, like I say, your statement is so profound, but it, it, it really encapsulate what the New Testament is trying to teach us. And that's what he tried to teach us. That we are not perfect. Right. I guess the simplest way I can put it, and I, 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 I have tried to explain this to the ministers that are under my guidance, and that is, if you consider what fish are in a fishbowl, that fish in a fishbowl are dependent upon you for everything. Mm-hmm. If you are not there to take care of them, they die. If you don't clean the tank, if you don't feed them, they die. However. If you go and try to put your face up to the fishbowl, they will move away from you. Mm-hmm. Because even though you are their friend, even though you're their caretaker, they don't trust you. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can gain their trust is to be like them. If you could change and make yourself a fish and jump in the water, mm-hmm. then you could communicate with them. And then you could be just like them. They don't make the fish perfect. In fact, in order for them to trust you, you can't be perfect. Right. You got to kind of assimilate with them right? in a sense. When I say perfect, I mean, you know, you got to, you can't be something that they are not. Right. Right. Because they still ain't going to trust you. I think that's the best representation of Christ is that he came to be like us, but what would make him accept us, accept him? Would, would the average alcoholic accept him if he was like Caesar was back then? No, no. You, you, you accept people who are similar to you, right. right? So I believe that's why he came the way he came so that the ev- average everyday person would see him and say, hey, you know what? Yeah, you, I, I, there is hope for me. I, 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 I get it now. And he could communicate with us. But we have kind of co-opted that and made it such that people don't feel that personal relationship anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think we, that's, you know, your point is so well taken. That we that's what we need to be doing. So at what point did Jesus at what point did Jesus was like, I got to do something because these people just ain't grasping it. So I'm gonna have to do the ultimate sacrifice to save everybody. Well, um, if you put it on a timeline, the decision was made long before he came because it was prophesied that he would come, you know, um, 2000 years or so before he came. Right. You know, we just, just like now we know that, you know, the prophecy is that there will be a, a a return 
but we don't know when the return will be. So the prophecy was already put in place because of the mistake that was made shortly after human beings were put in this world. And so once that mistake was made, then the model for recovering or redeeming those folk was already put in place. Gotcha. Um, and that's a whole, that's a whole dynamic that we probably don't have enough time to really <laughs> delve into because right. it's, very, it's and also, also a controversial dynamic as to why the timeline is as it is and what that real process entails. Um, but to put it briefly that um, there is a set number of souls that have to be given an opportunity for redemption. Mm. We don't know what that number is. Once that takes place, you know, Jesus said that only the father knows once that takes place, that's when Jesus will come back again. But the, but the time for him coming and starting the process uh, uh, was similar. It's that, you know, right. we don't know the time. We just knew that the father has said, this is how I'm going to redeem that group of folk. Now I will say this as crazy as 2020 has been. Mm-hmm. If I, we're talking, if we was to turn our phones back on and it said, Jesus has ascended from heaven. It would not surprise me. That's how crazy 2020 has been. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it, 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 this is a plague of biblical proportion. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that, yeah, we definitely, um, I like to get a, We'd like to do, I'd like to do another podcast episode on that subject of that timeline. We, we can do that. And um, I think it'll be interesting. It's like I say, it's controversial. Right. But I think it'll be extremely interesting. Because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that think about it, but just say, well, you know, they I think, think. I think everybody think about it. <laughs> I, I think, you know, I, I mean, I'm because I think everybody think about, you know, when is he coming back? Yeah. It's especially based on your viewpoint of when you go to heaven, you know, where some people view you going to heaven as soon as you die. Mm-hmm. And some people view you in the grave until he come back and then you rise, you know? So that's why I'm saying it's controversial because there's seven, seven different viewpoints about when that happens right? and how that happens and, and, and why that happens and, and, and so forth and so on. The different viewpoints on where your soul comes from, when your soul was created right? and, 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 and why did God create you? knowing that you was crazy, you know? Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like I say, it's so, it's, 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 it's controversial, um, but it's interesting. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, you, anything else before we close out? No, I'm, I'm just glad to be here. Even this COVID-19, I'm glad to still be alive. And so far, uh, I tested negative. So unless something happened in the last couple of days, I'm just <laughs> thankful to be negative. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to be alive as well. Thank y'all so much for joining us. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Till next time.